As she was praying and drawing us into this place of quiet with the Lord, um, I was sitting over there and I was asking the Lord, what am I carrying right now that you want me to let go of? And he said, he said, let go of being something that you're not. So um, I'll do my best. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the reason I have to keep turning to the Lord over and over and over and over is because I keep getting it wrong. Uh, so um, it is, but it's a good thing. I hope we learn today that when the Lord gives us an opportunity to turn towards him, that we will be met with his kindness and his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And so I just want to extend that invitation to all of you, too. Um, just be you. Uh, pretend like you're sitting on your living room couch and just relax. And Because the Lord wants us to be ourselves with him. He wants us to be real and transparent and authentic. And uh, so let's do our best to do that together. Does that sound like a good deal? All right. Um, I don't know. Uh, the guys are not, not the guys. Some of the guys are not here today, which is our whole team. Um, they, they're on their men's retreat. They'll be coming home today. Um, so some of us introverts have enjoyed some quiet time. Um, but um, I just want to say thanks to Brad and Dave for picking up the you know, worship today. Um, that is a joy when you get a team together. We are rich here with, with talent and skill. And so um, I just wanted to say thanks to them, and I want to pray that our, our guys come home safely today and that we hear great, great testimonies of their encounter with God as they spend a weekend together with each other, with Danny Mullins as their speaker, and with God. So, um, yeah. Do you guys, how many of you were here last week? Pretty good chunk of us. So we heard our founding pastor, Tom Stewart, preach. And um, we are, he started Romans chapter 2, so six months into Romans, we are now in chapter 2. And um, he talked about judgment. Do you guys remember that? He actually chose that. He said, I'd like to talk about Romans chapter 2 in the very beginning. And we're like, you can have it. And he titled the sermon, The Finger-Pointing Tension. And the tension that we find ourselves in when we start doing this. And he reminded us about God's judgment versus human judgment right? One of the reasons we cannot put ourselves in the judgment seat as the judge is because we judge on a human level. God's the only one that can judge on a level that God knows the whole thing. He knows the whole story. He knows the whole perspective. So it was a caution to us. He wasn't talking about not saying, you know what, this doesn't seem right to me. Can we talk about this? He's talking about the finger-pointing tension of putting ourselves as judge. And you know why? Because, you remember the acronym BIAS? Was it BIAS? Was that it? Yep. Blind inaccuracies about someone. And he he gently called out of us, how many of you, confession now, have had blind inaccuracies about people? And you realize, oh, I was totally off. I was completely wrong. It's good to be reminded of our, of our position with the Lord, that we are not called to judge because of those things. And then he had that story, check your own belt. Do you remember that? He said he was at work a long time ago, not at Bridgewood, I don't think. And he was judging somebody because they were dressed, but they had missed a belt loop. And he was like, oh, look at him, they missed a belt loop, and he's like making fun of him. He was very transparent with us about his judgment, which we all do. And so he, he says, and then he goes, 
He, and then he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, check your own belt. And sure enough, he looked down, and what did he find? He missed a belt loop. I thought that should have been the title of his sermon, check your own belt. So, and then he briefly touched a little bit on um, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. But that's where we're going to camp today. So Romans chapter 2, verse 4, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. I think it's also, will be up on the screen if we have this figured out a little bit now. Yay! Good job, Grant. And it says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Paul is writing to the church in Rome, primarily Jewish, and he says to them, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Is that what you're relying on, that you are in good standing with God? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. The Pharisees of the time had this idea and this thought, and it was this. We are Jewish. We are the chosen people. God loves us. He's set us apart. He's made us his holy people. We are the offshoot of his lineage. We are in. Therefore, we don't need Christ. It's a very pharisaical kind of concept. And what Paul is saying is he's actually turning that all on his head, on its head. And he's saying, no, 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 no. It's for that very reason that God was kind to you, that you need to turn to Christ. I was talking about this concept with Scott, because when you start thinking about repentance and the, the magnitude of any kind of theological concept, you know, you're like, how do I, what, where's the point? Where's the focal point for 20 minutes on Sunday morning? And so I'm processing it with Scott, and he reminded me of a story he had. He grew up in Highland Park and went to Highland High School, and Scott's my husband, and he um, had a we became Christians in 1989. We, weren't, we didn't grow up with a really strong relationship with the Lord. And so he was meeting with one of his high school classmates. And so he was telling him about becoming a Christian. And he was telling him about what it meant to him and what it was like and how his life had changed and all these different kinds of things. And the classmate said, well, you're a Gentile. You need Jesus. And the, the guy said, I'm a Jew, I'm of the chosen nation, and I don't need him. I'm in. And so now, before we move on too far, remember Tom's sermon last week. Let's not cast judgment on him. But it just illustrated the point, because you know, not all Jewish people think like that. It was just a conversation with one man that Scott knew from high school. And... But it just kind of drove home the point. It brought to mind, Scott said, that's interesting because that's how he really thought. And last week, Tom said, when you're pointing, you got three fingers pointing back at you. So I think it's worth asking the question, where do we think we don't need Christ? Where do we think we got it together? Do we have it together because we had a big repentance and we turned and we became Christians? Does that mean that we're in? 
and now we can just live our lives in a complacent, lukewarm kind of way? I think that when I, the more I studied this, I realized there's actually kind of two kinds of repentance. There's the big R and the little R. You've got the big R of that, that moment. Some, if you were even raised in a Christian home, there comes a moment where you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus because I'm going to follow him, not because my parents did. That's the big R. I am going to be a Christian. I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make him Lord of my life for me and Scott. That happened on March 19, 1989. It was this typical altar call where we went forward, we prayed a sinner's prayer, and we were Christians. So does that make us instantly like Jesus? Does that put us into a place where we now can live a holy life like Jesus did? No. There's a part of our journey that I call the little r, and it's that constant turning back to God. Because we get lost, don't we? We get off track. We can't find our way. And so we have, we have to make this U-turn. It's actually the de- definition of repentance, is that you, would, that you would turn, change direction, turn towards God, because you've gone the wrong way. And so you have to make this big U-turn. And quite honestly, (laughs) our life looks a little bit more like this. The next slide, which is a, a, what do you you call that? Switchback. Thank you. Isn't that more what it's like? Like you think, okay, I've got it. I've repented of my sin. I know where I want to go. I'm connected with God. We're doing well. Um, I feel like I'm in the center of his will. And And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute, how did I get off track? And the Holy Spirit, in his kindness and his mercy, he turns you back towards God. And isn't that the Christian journey of constantly being turned and constantly being turned over and over and over and over because we lose our way? In Luke chapter 15, I think Jesus talks about this in a parable in, in three ways. One is, the lost coin. And a woman loses a coin in her home and she turns the home upside down trying to find it. And the coin is lost and she can't find it. So she does what she needs to do to get, it, to, to get that back in her possession and get back on track with it. The second parable is the parable of the lost sheep. Do you remember G, um, Jesus talks about a shepherd has 99 sheep but one is lost. And what does the shepherd do? He goes after it. And we talk so much about the shepherd's role in that, but what about the sheep? What about the coin? They were lost. There's a way to look at that of, of there's times when we get lost on our way and we have to find our way back. And the third parable is the parable of the prodigal son. He loses his way doesn't he? He says, give me everything that is owed to me. I'm going to go live my life my own way, do it on my own strength, and I'm going to, you know, be fine, dad. I'm going to be fine. And he loses his way. He loses his way. I think we lose our way. And it needs the little r of repentance to find our way back. I don't know about you guys, but for me, sometimes making that switchback turn and getting to the next 
place is difficult. Sometimes I'm not aware of it. Sometimes I don't know if I really want to. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes I kind of like the way my life is. Do I really want to submit it to Jesus? Do I really want to follow him? What if he leads me somewhere I don't want to go? Sometimes I like holding on to my sin because it might be anger that I feel is just. Or it might be gossip or judgment or anything that I'm carrying and I just think I have entitlement to it. There's a lot of different reasons that we have roadblocks. I think one of the biggest reasons we have a roadblock to making that turn is, is that we can feel that it's dark and that it's scary. We don't know exactly what's on the other side. We don't know if we're going to find punishment in an unhealthy, unholy way because that's been our experience in life. We don't know if we're going to find judgment that is something we cannot bear. We're not going to know if we're going to find rejection. We're not going to know if we're going to be disqualified because of our sin, because of the way we've lost, been lost, the way we got ourselves lost. We don't know what we're going to find. And so we have fear. We have complacency. We have denial. That's my best one. I'm like, oh, let's just pretend I didn't do that. (laughs) I won't do it again. Let's just ignore it. It'll go away. If I don't tell anybody, then nobody can judge me, nobody can reject me, no one can disqualify me, and no one can say I'm unlovable if I just ignore it. Jesus turns that on its head. And he says, turn and come to me. My kindness will lead you to repentance. My kindness, my mercy, my grace is what you will find. When Heidi Heidi and I did not talk before the service today, and when she brought that thought of what's been on her heart about what are you carrying that's too heavy for you, I think that's what the Lord wants to do today. He wants us to acknowledge that. He wants us to say, oh, shoot, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. It's not, I, I've been called out. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to respond? Jesus knows everything, but there's still something that he calls us to turn. He call, there's a reason he says, turn to me. Repent. The kingdom is at hand. Come to me, and you will find mercy and grace and kindness. The fears that we have keep us from trusting. And the shame keeps us in hiding. When I was in second grade, uh, does anybody remember a thing called field day? I don't know, do you kids have that still today where you do long jumps and, and, and you know, running long jumps? And, and my day we did like the shoe scramble and the shoe kick and the 50-yard dash and all those things. I don't know if you still have them today or not. But in my day, it was a big deal. And you practiced because you wanted the blue ribbon. Because it was in a season when people could still win at things. And you could still say, you're the winner. <laughs> and so I was 
brilliant at the shoe kick. I could kick my shoe so far, it was, I, I just knew I was going to win. I just knew it. So all the kids, like, in the hallway, we were always talking about field day. We were always talking about what are you going to participate in, and what do you think, who's going to win what, and all that stuff. And so in the hallways, people would be practicing, you know, running as fast as they can for the 50-yard dash. And I'm in the hallway going like this, <laughs> kicking my shoe far down the hallway at Little Canada Elementary as far as I could, practicing. So I'm, I'm in second grade, and I turn, and I'm coming into the classroom, and one last time I go, Phoom! and my shoe goes flying. It was just this brilliant arc. And on the teacher's desk was a ceramic apple filled with pencils, and my shoe hit the apple, and it shattered all over the place. I was terrified. I thought, oh, I'm dead. The the only option is death. I really thought that. Here's a little background for, for some of you. I did not know kindness in my childhood. At least that I can recall. I think there may have be may be some, but I'm still working on that. And so my immediate thought, based on my experience, was you are going to be in trouble, you are going to be punished, you are going to be hurt, you are going to be rejected, you are going to be disqualified, you better get into hiding fast. So, you know, I'm in second grade, so I go sit at my desk, and it's the kind where you can open up the top, put all your stuff, your books and your Kleenex and everything in there, and I'm hiding behind my desk, and I'm just shaking, trembling, shaking. And I'm crying, and I'm thinking, I, I'm going to be in so much trouble, and I'm so embarrassed, and I'm so filled with shame. All I want to do is hide. I, I, just, I just remember that, and I just remember shaking. And then a girl, Heather Gunther, my neighbor across the street, she was in sixth grade. She was big. She was, you know, I'm in second grade. She's in sixth grade. Do you guys remember in my day, they had thing called bus cops? They were sixth graders that wore this leather like badge on them that you know kept control on the bus. And so Heather came in and she had that badge in her hand and she set it on the desk next to me. And it just had this authority to it. And she came and she put her hand on my shoulder. And she said, Sharon, you're gonna have to go tell Mrs. Nelson, my second grade teacher. I don't know why she wasn't in the room. I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't go tell her. I can't go tell her. And she says, you're going to have to tell her. So I went and found her, and I, I said, Mrs. Nelson, and I'm crying, and the snot is flying everywhere. And, you know, and I, I look back now at second graders, and I think, God, I was so little. But, and I said, I kicked my shoe. I was practicing for the shoe kick, and I hit your apple. It fell. And she turned me towards her and put her hands on my shoulder, and she said, it's okay. Thank you for telling me. I didn't know what to do with it. I, I, I'd never met that before. And it was amazing. And through the process, I got calmed down, and I told her I was sorry, and she made me write, you know, I promised never to kick my shoe in the classroom, you know, that kind of thing. When... When we do something wrong, 
when we get off track, when we lose the mark, we can remember and we can recall experiences of God that will draw us to repentance because we know what we'll find. We know we'll find goodness and we'll find mercy. But here's the deal. If we're going to be real in our living room, I think there's people in here that maybe don't have that experience. You're not quite sure you'll find the goodness of God if you repent and if you're honest and you're transparent with him. And all I can tell you is hang on to what you hear because it's true. Turn and see what you find. Risk it. It feels risky. It feels scary to come to God and say, this is my heart. This is what I want to give you. This is what I've done. Forgive me. And it's hard to go to someone else, too, (laughs) and say, this is what I've done. But when you meet the kindness of God and his divine embrace in those places, it's worth it. It's worth the repentance. It's worth the confession. Scotty, my son, and I, um, many of you know, we went on a pilgrimage this spring. We walked 500 miles across Spain. And there's a tradition with the pilgrimage that you bring a rock from home. And you carry it with you. And it can represent all kinds of things. When Heidi was talking this morning about what are you carrying, that could be your rock. What would you have in your hand today that you're carrying that maybe you're in fear of, that you're hiding, that's in secret, that you need to repent, you need to confess, you need to let go of, you need to let go of a burden? What is that? So I went to my childhood home in Little Canada and I trespassed. And I grabbed a rock. I stole, too, I guess, really, because I took a rock from the driveway. And, sorry, parents, you have to explain that to your kids. <laughs> but um, so, but I, I knew that I wanted to take a rock from that place. So I picked up a black rock, and I took it with me. And as I was walking along the pilgrimage, I thought about it often. It was in this pocket in my backpack. And I thought about it often, about what it meant and how I was really looking forward to dropping it off at a place called Cruz Faro. It's about three-quarters of the way. And it's this um, kind of a mound of rocks that pilgrimage, pilgrims have brought for a thousand years. And so, um, and then I thought, I can't wait to get rid of this rock. I've done a lot of work with it. I I wasn't that attached to it, but I knew that that's what the Lord was asking me to do. So along the way, I also found a rock in the shape of a heart. I thought, well, that's really cool, and I just picked it up. So the rock, the black rock from my childhood home and the heart were both in my pocket. So I get to Cruz Faro. I'm standing there, and I lay down the black rock. It's kind of, these aren't mine, but that's kind of what it looks like. And so I laid down the black rock, and then I thought about where I had come from and where the Lord brought me. And the kindness of the Lord overwhelmed me. I couldn't believe how good he has been to me, how kind he has been to me, how loving, how, how redemptive, how, how he's recovered things that have been lost, how he's forgiven me, how he's given me clean slate after clean slate after clean slate every time I would turn towards him. He would wipe away the sin and say, it's okay, let's keep going. It's okay, let's keep going. It's okay, let's keep going. 
So I laid the black rock down, and then I laid the heart down, and I said, I commit to you again, my life. I'm sorry for the times that I wasn't following you. And I just knew it was good. The Holy Spirit was there saying to me, it's okay. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the little R of repentance, where we can turn and say, here it is. Thank you for what you've done for me. Here's my sin. Here's my wrongdoings. Here's my wrong way. And the truth is that some of us need to know that that's what we'll find on that road. Always. Even if it's a correction. Even if the Lord makes you go and talk to Mrs. Nelson. From the Lord, you will find goodness. You will find kindness. You will find rejoicing and celebrating. When you go back to Luke 15 and you read the rest of those parables, when the, when the, when the woman found the coin, she celebrated because it was found. When the shepherd found the sheep, they went back and celebrated because it was found. And what did the father do with the prodigal son? He embraced him with this divine embrace and said, I'm so glad you've turned back to me. Let's celebrate. That's what you find on the road of repentance. A celebration and a victory. And I think the Lord is saying to us today, it's time to come out of hiding. I can, I can sense and feel the anxiousness that can come with that admonition that it's time to come out of hiding. But it doesn't mean we shy away from it. Not if it's what the Lord's saying to us. What are you carrying? What does your rock represent? What do we need to confess? What do we need to repent of? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to quit trying to control? And when you're able to do that, the simple little thing, it's nothing short of a miracle. It is nothing short of a miracle that our Father meets us with kindness and says, I love you. You're going to be okay. Let's keep going. Acts 3 Chapter, Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 say this. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance brings us a gift of a clean slate over and over and over and over and over And how much better life is to walk in a clean slate than carrying the burdens that are just too heavy for us. That. I love the so that's in Scripture. Verse 20 says, so the whole thing says, Repent therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I think that's the invitation for today. A new clean slate. So 
So now I have to think and ask, Jesus, now what? Because <laughs> that's the message. And I think we, we can't not have an opportunity to just hold our rocks before the Lord. Say, this is what's on my mind. This is what you've put. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to have Brad and Dave come back, and we're going to take a little time to do that. Sometimes when an invitation comes, the simple word yes is what we need to hear or what we need to give. So you think about it. Don't do anything the Lord's not leading you to. But I'm going to pray and just spend some time on this, okay? Father, we thank you that the road of repentance is led by your kindness and your goodness. And Lord, if if we're hearing correctly, your invitation today is to offer whatever the Holy Spirit has put on our hearts and on our minds to you right now. So I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, I just instinctively hold out my hand to give it. Um, It might just be whispering a yes to Jesus under your breath. It could be standing and and just giving this posture of I surrender. Um, If there's anyone in here who's never had the big R experience and you don't know Jesus or you're not sure if you're following him, just say yes. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And if there's a, a switchback that needs to happen in your life and you need to turn, you can just think of it. So Holy Spirit, come and bring to mind what's on your heart for us. Lord, we we repent and we turn towards you this morning. We give you what's written on those rocks. We give you what we've been carrying that's too heavy for us. And maybe even in fear and trembling, we make the turn, but Lord, would you meet us with your kindness now? With your overwhelming forgiveness and your overwhelming grace. I pray for anyone in here who has not experienced your kindness and your grace in that way. Would you shower them either now, this week, when they lay their head to sleep, when they meet you in worship, when they meet you in scripture, would you let them experience your loving kindness and grace? You're that good. (laughs) You're that good. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we're at. We do pray over the offering, Lord. We submit it to you, and we say, it's yours. Would you give us a heart of generosity and a heart of trust? Um, God, Lord, would you help us be good stewards of it so that it can go and advance your kingdom and, and others will know the kindness Jesus' name. Amen.
a beautiful reminder we got this morning that we get to practice those little, little R's in our walk with the Lord, that we get to continually turn back to Him. I felt like in first service when Sharon first gave that invitation, that the Lord was showing me in my life when I need to turn back, it, the core of it, if it's selfishness, if it's greed, if it's whatever is flaring up in me, the core of it comes down to trust. And I am not trusting that he is holding this, or I am not trusting that he is in control, or I am not trusting that he is really for me, or I am not trusting those things. I begin to do it my way. And I need to turn back and turn back and turn back to him and to gain that trust to say I trust you you are in this one of my one of the best things for myself is to look at the past and when I can look back and I see all the prayers that the Lord has answered I can see all the things that he has provided in just the right time I didn't know ahead of time and I was anxious about it because I didn't know and then when the time was there it was provided when I can look back and I can see it and I can stand on that. He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. Some of us um, on Thursday got to hear Danny Mullen share. And one thing that stuck out with me in his sharing, he was talking about how we lead out of our weakness, how we have the opportunity to lead out of our weakness. And he said, we don't hide it. We don't deny it. And we don't judge it. So with our repentance, that we would not hide it, that we would not deny that we need it daily, and that we would not judge it, where we can be our biggest judge. We can be the ones that say the worst to ourselves, that we would not judge it, that we need to turn back, and we need to turn back, and we need to turn back. Lord Jesus, thank you for this reminder, Lord. Lord, may we practice this this week. May you remind us as we are um, at work or in the grocery store or as we are um, having a fit inside of ourselves, Lord, may you remind us that we get to practice this this week. So Father, I bless us to be aware in Jesus' name.